Welcome to Farmer Talk Radio. I'm Danny McCarthy. Today, I'm pleased to introduce a conversation on clinical inventory and sample management for your clinical trials health between Slope's Chief Clinical Officer, Hope Mealy, and Kyle Baker, Slope's Content Marketing Manager. They're going to be discussing the challenges and intricacies facing current inventory management, the key metrics that Kyle evaluated during his time at a central lab, and the digital tools that can streamline sample and inventory management for the ultimate benefit of the study. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Hope for more. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast today, which is going to concentrate on a large challenge in the clinical research world. I'm your host, Hope Mealy. Today, we're going to dive headfirst into understanding our study's health, specifically around biospecimens and the clinical inventory involved. The challenges experienced in executing clinical trials and how we really need to look at it and how you personally can solve these issues within your clinical trials. As those in the industry know, every sample and every piece of associated data to those samples really matters. Trial samples are where our groundbreaking discoveries are made, where those treatments are developed, and where patients' lives are changed and safety protected. But as all are aware, the path to success isn't smooth, and that's where our guest today, Kyle Baker, comes in. Kyle's here to shed light on the intricacies and the complexities related to clinical inventory management and sample management. He's a seasoned expert in the field, and he's going to walk us through the importance of all of these aspects, talk about some of his specific key operational metrics, and reveal the challenges that the industry has been facing in today's current world. So Kyle, let's dive right in. I know your past experience includes many years working with sponsors, directly managing clinical inventory and biospecimens. Can you talk a little bit about your background and your experience and how it's applicable to biospecimen management today? Yeah, absolutely. So I come from the central lab space. I started there about 10 years ago. I actually started working in a kitting facility for a major central lab. I focused on the day-to-day operations of the trial from a uh, central lab perspective. I worked my way up into project management, did project management for clinical trials for several years in various roles. I became the lead project manager for some of our key customers on a portfolio of trials. And in my most recent role in the central lab space, I was really focused on looking at operational metrics for our portfolios of studies across various sponsors. So that included large pharma companies, small biotechs, and really honing in on some key operational metrics that tell us a lot about the health of a study. Could you dive in a little bit into what you specifically looked at when you were looking at evaluating study health across the board for your studies? Yeah, so we would typically perform monthly or quarterly analyses where we would look at key study performance metrics in order to identify certain trends and make tailored recommendations based on the kinds of trends that we were seeing on each individual study. So we would really look at three core operational metrics. We would look at holds. So holds encompass lab queries. Anytime uh, a site sends in a lab kit and the central lab receives that lab kit, If there is any sort of discrepancy with the samples received or with the requisition form, that's going to result in a hold. So we would look at metrics for holds. We would also look at cancellations. So anytime a result could not be reported for any number of reasons, those would result in cancellations. And then finally, we would look at 
kit overage. So lab kit waste has been of con increasing concern for our customers in the sponsor world. And so we really want to take a look at, at kit overage on a study level and see what are the root causes of lab kit waste on each individual study and what mitigating strategies can we implement to, to minimize some of that kit overage. Great. So that seems like a lot to sort of dig in for every single study and every single sponsor that's running a study. Do you know why there is a growing need to mitigate the impacts of the variables? And why hasn't the industry really been able to figure out how to navigate those issues? I think there's a number of reasons for this. The biggest one probably being the, the increase in study complexity, right? Studies have become more complex and with that, more samples are being collected. They're going to more places. It's no longer just going to a central lab. We have samples that are going directly shipped to, to a specialty lab. Maybe they're being sent to a central lab and tested at a central lab. Maybe they're just going through a central lab, but then the final destination is a third-party lab. So there are these really complex sampling schemes. And of course, with those complex sampling schemes, we see very complex kitting schemes. So as studies have gotten more complex, those kits and those samples have become more complex and it becomes more challenging to manage some of those, those complexities that we see. I would say another thing that has contributed to this is more regulatory requirements. Sponsors are expected to report more robust data. And so looking at these metrics for things like holds and cancellations allows them to report more robust data from a regulatory perspective. And then finally, I would also say the greater need for, for sponsor oversight just across the board. Again, when we're talking about these complex sampling schemes where samples are going to several different labs just on one study alone, and you're working with a complex network of sites, sometimes all across the globe, that need for sponsor oversight really can't be overstated. And do you think too, that just from the sponsor oversight perspective, where does the CRO play into the navigation oversight of clinical trials or clinical samples as well? Is that playing into the complexity? I definitely think so. I, you know, I think we have a lot of study stakeholders who are involved on a study. And from a sponsor perspective, you're managing several labs, several sites, several CROs. That's a lot of work for a trial manager or a portfolio manager. You know, when you're seeing an entire study or a portfolio of studies and you're managing all of these individual vendors and labs and sites on all of these studies it can be really challenging to coordinate some of those communications and, and things like that. Let's dig a little bit deeper into some of the details. What are some of the leading causes of lab queries and data inconsistencies? And what are the negative implications of holds on a study to the data and integrity as well as to the sampling? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I worked at the central lab, we would see lab kits go on hold for a number of reasons. Surprisingly enough, but honestly not surprising, missing requisition forms were a, a common reason that we would see lab kits go on hold. And of course, any site knows that when we send in samples to a central lab or to a specialty lab, it needs that requisition form, right? But of course, sites are juggling a lot of responsibilities every once in a while. Um, there can be an accidental oversight on the site's part. So 
you know, sometimes from the central lab, we would get those samples, but the requisition form wouldn't be there. Something else that we would see is we would get the requisition form, but the data would be missing or there would be a discrepancy on the requisition form. So maybe collection dates and times were not uh, recorded on the requisition form, maybe patient sex or date of birth or any other patient demographic information was either incorrectly um, entered on the requisition form resulting in a query or it was just completely left blank. Um, so that was another common uh, example that we would see from a, from a lab query perspective. We would also see with lab kits that were being received, for example, if, if a site sends in a cycle two day one visit for a patient prior to the cycle one day one visit, the central labs database is set up in such a way that we expect visits to be received in a certain order based on the schedule of events that it's that's defined in the protocol. And anytime there's an issue with visits being received out of order, that's going to trigger a lab query as well. And just an offshoot from that, anytime from an inv inventory perspective, we see a lot of sites having to pull kits for other visits in order to complete a specific visit. So again, going back to that cycle one, day one, cycle two, day one example that I was mentioning before, if a site has a patient that's come in for a cycle one, day one visit, and they go to pull the cycle one, day one lab kit, and they say, oh no, we don't have any cycle one, day one kits that are currently in stock, then in that situation, they may have to pull a cycle two, day one kit, and they'll collect the patient samples using the return containers that are in that kit. Um, and they'll fill out that requisition form, but maybe they forget to cross out that cycle one day one or cycle two day one visit name on the requisition form. And then the central lab gets that requisition form and they're like, hey, you know, this should be a cycle one day one visit. It's saying it's a cycle two day one visit. What's going on here? So that'll trigger a lab query as well. And, and how does that specifically affect or create holds on study samples? Yeah, so I think from a from a lab query perspective, that has the potential to create a huge burden for the patient because it could ultimately delay critical results that are pertinent to things like patient safety and dose escalation and inclusion and exclusion criteria, patient enrollment primary and secondary endpoints. I mean, there are so many critical pieces of data that we get from these precious biospecimens. So lab queries have the potential to delay the reporting of those results and can have major implications for the patient. And I understand that likely some of those, say, holds may lead to study analysis cancellations and other reasons. Can you talk to us a little bit about how cancellations affects, affect clinical trials, as well as maybe some of the common causes and how that could disrupt the study? Yeah, and that's actually a great segue into the next operational metric that I would look at in my previous role. Uh, cancellations was a hot topic for a lot of our clinical trial sponsor sponsors because ultimately the cancellation translates to gaps in the data, right? It means that a result can't be reported. And there are a number of reasons that we see cancellations. Maybe a sample is received out of stability. You know, when we talk about a lot of assays, assays tend to have 
a stability window. And some samples may have a very short stability window of maybe it's 48 hours or 72 hours. And so the processing of that sample in a timely manner from the time of collection is absolutely critical. And unfortunately, far too often we see samples that are processed too late. And as a result, we have to automatically cancel that testing because it was processed outside of that stability window that the assay was validated for. Some other issues that we see are things like sample hemolysis, clotted blood, quantity not sufficient, specimen not received, maybe a sample is received in the incorrect condition, so maybe it was received ambient instead of frozen. Visit reassignments can also cause testing to be missed for the correct visit. So going back to that prior example that I was referring to with the holds, where maybe that site used a cycle two day one kit to collect a cycle one day one visit. If those visits have different testing, those kits are going to have different collection tubes and return tubes in them. So what can happen is if that site is pulling that cycle two day one kit and using that for the collection, as a result, they're going to miss some of the cycle one day one testing. And so that can result in automatic cancellations when that visit is reassigned to the the correct visit type. So switching gears a little bit, I know the third metric that you were talking about was around kit overage. Can you talk to us a little bit about kit overage and what's causing the waste, the impact, and if sponsor companies are really starting to focus on that issue in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think this goes back to my earlier point about study complexity. And I think when you see study complexity, you can assume that the kitting scheme is also going to be complex. So maybe you have different kits for different cohorts. Um, maybe you have unscheduled visits versus scheduled visits. There are, are a lot of factors that can be at play when it comes to, to kitting for various studies. What can happen though is, of course, maybe a site overorders kits or maybe a sponsor who, with good intentions, wants to make sure that their sites have uh, as many kits as as possible so that they have enough kits for patient visits, what can happen is those kits can go to waste because a lot of kits have, at least at the central lab that I worked at, we had roughly a, a six-month expiration window from the, the time that a kit was built. And so that kit needed to be used within six months of creation. Otherwise, it was going to completely go to waste. I've seen tens of thousands, sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars in kit waste on one study. And across the board, we see widespread kit waste due to just a, a, a lack of an ability to manage those those kits that are that are sent to the site. And I can only imagine, especially during the supply and chain shortages that we've had over the last few years specifically, that this has been quite the issue plaguing the clinical trials. So, you know, switching gears just a tiny bit from the standpoint of things outside of those, of those key metrics that you were talking about, are there other recommendations or other solutions that you've been asked to mitigate across clinical trials from a biospecimen management perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So in my last role at the central lab, our group was considered a catch-all for all of these nuanced one-off requests that we would get from study sponsors that really had to do with 
a complex nuance in their trial design, or maybe because it was a complex study, they needed an additional safeguard in place, if you will, so that they could be more proactive about managing their samples and managing their inventory. So one example that comes to mind is with sponsors requesting site notifications. So something that a request that we would get uh, on several studies that I worked on involved sending site notifications to sites to proactively remind them to collect and send in important samples and important visits, as well as notifying sites when certain samples or visits were missing or notifying sites uh, to schedule a redraw if testing was canceled for whatever reason. That was a very common request that my team would get. Some other kinds of requests that we would get were around sample tracking and visit tracking. So looking at reports, maybe a report that shows all the samples that have been received versus all of the samples that were expected but haven't been received, we would get requests like that all the time. And one step beyond that, we would get requests for end-to-end -end sample tracking. So again, on some of these complex studies, we have samples going all over the place, not just to the central lab. Maybe they're getting directly shipped to a specialty lab, or maybe they're coming through the central lab before being tested at a different lab. And a lot of times we would get requests for sample tracking for those kinds of studies where the sponsor was really looking for the central lab to provide full oversight of that sample from site collection to its final disposition at a specialty lab or at a bio repository. From the standpoint of whether or not you found these solutions effective, did you experience limitations along the way as you tried to implement new solutions to mitigate the issues? Unfortunately, the central lab can only do so much. Central labs are really intended to be a middleman for, for samples and for providing inventory. They also focus on testing, but they can only do so much, especially on these more complex trials. So we would see things like limitations with API integration, where maybe for some of the solutions that customers were coming to us for, they would ask for integration with other clinical systems. Obviously on most clinical trials, we see a lot of of clinical systems, including the EDC, IRTs, RTSMs, limb systems. It's very complex. And of course, sponsors are looking for opportunities to leverage integration capabilities. And from a central lab perspective, we were pretty limited in our capabilities on that front. I would also say from a sample tracking perspective, we had very limited visibility to sample tracking data that was outside of our purview. So if we had a sample that was going directly from site to specialty lab, we just simply didn't have visibility to, to those samples. And even though as a central lab, this, the sponsor would come to us as one of their core vendors and say, hey, is this something that you can support us on? We would have to turn them away and say, no, unfortunately we can't. So yeah, unfortunately there were, were some limitations with our capabilities to address certain sponsor requests. Yeah, and as anybody who's tried to run a clinical trial before has tried to experience the integrations with different clinical systems that weren't really meant to talk to each other, certainly understand the, uh, the, the challenge with that. 
thank you for your direct experience there. As we wrap up, is there really anything you'd like to additionally emphasize from the standpoint of how we might be able to manage um, these trials a bit better from a biospecimen perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I think what my experience has highlighted for me is really the importance of a clinical trial execution platform like Slope as a way to manage samples and manage inventory, um, which can thereby increase real-time visibility to sample and inventory data. For all stakeholders, it can empower sites to be more compliant and efficient in managing their samples. So when we talk about site enablement, for example, I think that's a really important piece of all of this because when you think about sites, they're usually looking at a paper lab manual or a static PDF version of a lab manual. And when you're dealing with these complex trials where you're shipping several samples to several different labs, it's really easy to misinterpret something or overlook something in that lab manual. So really what Slope can do is it can empower sites to, to collect samples the right way and ship them to the right places at the right times. So I think that site enablement piece is really, really key here. I think the other important piece of a, of a clinical trial execution platform like Slope is that the Slope platform really allows you to, to streamline your data. So you have it in one central location, which really comes in handy when you're doing data reconciliation. So whether that's responding to a lab query where you get a query from a central lab and you can go into the Slope platform and look up the data for a specific sample in five seconds or less. Having that capability during the data reconciliation process is really going to help support a sponsor's trial as well as site operations. So I think that's really my big takeaway from my experience working on clinical trials, especially from the perspective of looking at these operational metrics and seeing, okay, how can we mitigate some of this kit overage and these lab cancellations and these lab queries that we see so often on these more complex trials, that's where clinical trial execution and a digital platform can really help mitigate some of those challenges that we see. Well, thank you, Kyle, for sharing your insights and your experience with us today. And to our listeners, we hope you've gained a deeper understanding into the role that inventory and sample management can play in our clinical trials. And as you start to plan your next clinical trials, really start to considering how you can overall look at your biospecimen health, maybe using some of those met metrics, considering clinical trial execution platforms, et cetera. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for that amazing conversation. And thank you all for listening. For more information on Farmer Talk Radio podcasts, you can visit conferenceforum.org.